We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I hit the video, man. I was I was watching the video, but uh, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, welcome to the Guilty as Par- as Charged podcast, man. This is uh, off to a great start on a Saturday morning. Uh, you know, kind of a mess, but it is what it is. Um, Tyler, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing great. Uh, happy to be here. I don't know what just happened, but um, that's kind of the theme for the week, I guess, right? The video wasn't playing for you? Nope. I was just staring at you guys the entire time. <laughs> and it's so... Cool. I had the video play on my side. I don't, I don't know what was uh, what was happening there. Uh, Alex, did you have the video or no? Like the countdown? I got the video. Cool. So it was just me. Yeah. Was it just me yelling during the countdown? <laughs> People that well, I actually are, heard uh... both. I heard I heard the countdown, and I heard Tyler saying the countdown doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, I don't know. It sounds like uh, people in the chat are saying that, uh, you know, the countdown didn't work. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. We'll have to go back and, and add that in, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but obviously, we're here on a, on a Saturday morning to uh, discuss some uh, big news from this week. Uh, Jerry Tillery being released by the Chargers on Thursday evening. Uh, we'll also do our final thoughts and predictions for the Chargers and 49ers game. Uh, and our weekly picks, and then we'll do uh, a Q&A as well. So uh, first and foremost, we will be discussing the Jerry Tillery stuff. I mean, obviously, that's kind of the, the big news of the week. Um, Chargers deciding to move on from their former first-round pick, 2019 first-round pick. Um, just kind of running down the situation. Um, you know, last week he was inactive with a back injury, which Tyler and I both heard from different people that that was – kind of a farce it was it was not a legitimate back injury um and then this week he is missing practice for personal reasons um now we know from other sources and and not from other sources from other publications i should say including espn's lindsay theory that um he was expecting an expanded role uh in the back half of the season especially after austin johnson uh went down with his injury and the chargers wanted to keep him in that supporting role, which to me makes a lot of sense. Uh, obviously to Jerry, that did not make a lot of sense. Um, the thing that's a little disappointing from the Jerry Tillery side of things is that it wasn't just a 
difference of opinion of the role or competing visions, as Brandon Staley said, that there was actual friction with teammates as well, according to several of the Chargers reporters. So uh, Chargers decided to obviously wait through the deadline, have him at the back end of the season. I assume that they were kind of vying for the comp pick formula down the road. Um, and then unfortunately, things just did not work out. So um, Alex, we'll start with you. You obviously wrote an article article for Bolt Beat as well. But what what's kind of your, your takeaway here from the decision to move off of Jerry Tillery? Alex, do you um, hear us? I, okay. I don't think the decision is. I think the way that it happened is pretty surprising. Um, but aside from that, I mean, we knew that they turned down the fifth year option. Um, and that had happened. We knew that he were for very long, whether it was till the end of this year or now mid season cut. Um, but it is nonetheless surprising the way it happened. Obviously, the back injury him trying to get traded prior to the deadline, or at least the Chargers, you know, listening to teams that expressed interest. Um, and so to be here is a, is a pretty surprising moment and definitely a franchise altering one. Uh, so uh, it it is, you know, we do talk about the Austin Johnson thing and Jerry Tillery was never going to play Austin Johnson's role because Jerry Tillery cannot do right. what Austin Johnson does uh, just on a week to week basis. But you are, you know, Removing depth, I guess, if you want to put it that way. But uh, for the Chargers to make this decision does mean that obviously there was, you know, friction amongst the players, friction amongst the coaching staff in terms of Tillery's role. And there obviously was a radical shift from Tillery. Like I said, he got his turn down. Last year, he played 858 snaps. He was on pace to play 460 this year, right? So clearly they had transitioned from him being a four down player to him just being a rotational piece. And, um, it, it is just unfortunate, I think, the way it ended, because if Jerry Tillery had just kind of remained in his role, then I think you could have made the argument that Jerry Tillery actually was having an okay year just in terms of what he was doing um, yeah. as, a, as a pass rusher, right? Obviously had a kind of better season than he did last year. Again, used every down player as much against the run, but, you know, had some decent pressures, but I was not comfortable with that role wanted more of a role and he's going to have to find that somewhere else now. Yeah. Just in terms of getting to where we are now to the point where it was such a problem that they, you know, sides felt it was in their interest to move on. Uh, definitely disappointing part. Yeah. It's, it's a surprise and not a surprise. It just depends on what part of it you're asking me about them releasing him mid season, I suppose, isn't a surprise just in a vacuum. If you told me they did that, I guess it's not the biggest surprise. Um, it's not a surprise if, you know, like Stephen talked about, we'd heard before this week, during the Falcons week, kind of what was going on with Tillery and his lack of a role. I'll, I'll say that much. Um, but at the same time, it's like, okay, we're, we're down another defensive tackle. Um, not that, that he was the the solution or even the problem in the, with the run defense right now, but it'd be nice to have another guy out there especially when Morgan Fox isn't great uh, against the run himself. As far as the, I just want to like talk about, not that Eddie G is like the only person saying this or anything for me with Jerry Tillery, just based on what we kind of heard and heard from either players or media members, Jerry Tillery isn't someone people disliked. I don't think like, I don't think he was a locker room problem. I just don't think he was very likable. I think that's kind of the difference here. So I, I know people were like, I know the, the locker room was hyped in the morning on the same day <laughs> that Jerry Tillery was let go. But from my understanding, for the most part throughout his career, Jerry Tillery hasn't been an issue. He just hasn't been, and I think, I, I'm not going to say this username because it's a whole mess of numbers and letters. He always looked disconnected from the team, especially during training camp. And I think that that's kind of what his personality and his... I don't know, whatever throughout the most of his career is has been. So I just I just want to say before I, I say the next thing that I don't I haven't heard that Jerry Tillery's been a bad teammate. I haven't heard that he's been a, a whiner, a complainer or anything like that. Not toxic. He just hasn't been a good player, um, but he's always been getting tons of snaps. As far as what happened and the reason they eventually released him after not really having plans to do that, it's disappointing to hear that Jerry Tillery went out kind of whining. Like and now at this point, 
you know, he wasn't getting more snaps. So he was complaining about his yeah. role, clashing with his teammates. And I, I just think of, I mean, Braden Fajoko, obviously, Joe Gaziano, who are now going to get their shot again. But you think of those guys, they've been cut every year since 2020, you know, and, and they've outplayed Jerry Tillery or they just had to play in the preseason and Tillery didn't. And those guys with with no entitlement, no job security, they've had to be cut and shut up for years. And so I, I'm glad they get their shot, because if that's kind of how Tillery wanted to handle this as a guy who's been given snaps you know, freely his entire career up really until this year. You know, I, I'm glad the new guys or the younger ish guys, I suppose, are getting their shot because I'd rather have someone out there who's done the work, has earned the right to be out there more than I think Jerry Tillery has at this point. And I hope they crush it. Yeah, it looks like Alex is back here as well. So uh, hopefully that uh, connection issue a little bit sorted out. But, um, you know, I had heard by several people within the building that Jerry Tillery last year was getting you know, uh, a golden child kind of treatment, you know, that he was essentially, you know, people would walk around eggshells around him, you know, nobody really ever felt comfortable, like calling him out. And and obviously, that kind of speaks to, you know, the situation from, uh, you know, from a variety of standpoints. And frankly, last year, they didn't really have any other choice. Like, Justin, Go- Justin Jones gets injured in the second week of the year. I mean, Christian Covington is not exactly, you know, an upgrade. Linval Joseph was in, in and out of the lineup. So, it's not like they had the choice to just flat out bench Jerry Tillery last year. This year, you know, they do have that choice. And so, you know, we're going from a player who was looked at as a golden child and didn't even play in the preseason. Um, and, you know, unquestionably, essentially DT won throughout the entire uh, regular season. And now he's, you know, DT four probably in terms of a snap basis, you know, he's behind Morgan Fox. So I understand a player being upset in that kind of situation, but to handle it this way, and we don't know exactly what happened. Uh, it's definitely disappointing. I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, the guys at the back end of the roster. I mean, go, this goes back to last year. I mean, the whole DT room we had heard was irked by the fact that they chose Eric Banks, who was not it with them in training camp to start the season off in, in place of, you know, Cortez Brown and Brain Fajoko and Joe Gaziano and Forrest Merrill and all that. And then this season, you know, Fajoko makes the roster. The team trots him out there for that press conference afterwards. And then after week one, they cut him for Christian Covington. And then Christian Covington's in and out of the lineup and uh, Otito Ogbonia in and out of the lineup. And so it definitely is frustrating that somebody like Jerry Tillery is not handling this kind of situation better i mean you expect these guys to be professionals and you know jerry's been in a good veteran leadership room with linval joseph with justin jones with brandon mebane all these guys and i just kind of would would have hoped that that would have rubbed off on him a little bit more and again we don't know all of the details but you know him not handling the situation as a professional is is definitely disappointing Um, from the charter side of things, you know, obviously there's a lot of people kind of complaining that they didn't trade him and all this stuff. I understand from a, uh, organizational standpoint, why you would not trade Jerry Tillery. Um, you know, it, it sounds like the offers that they were getting were very minimal at best. You're probably talking about like a conditional seventh round pick or something like that. And so theoretically, if you keep Jerry Tillery in the back half of the season and he continues to play the same kind of level of, of football, you're probably talking about a decent contract and a decent compensatory pick in 2024 for this Chargers team. So the the chances of the trade offer beating out the potential of the compensatory pick that they would get down the road is very slim. And I understand people have definitely have certain thoughts about Jerry Tillery as the player. And I do as well, but from a pass rush standpoint, he was top 25 on a per play basis. And he's a former first round pick. Like these kind of guys always get bigger contracts than people think. I mean, we can look at somebody like Dante Fowler, who's been a first round pick and always seem to get, you know, this, this, these kind of contracts. So, um, I understand from an organizational standpoint why you would not trade Jerry Tillery at the trade deadline. It's just, you know, after the deadline passed, things kind of soured to a a point where it was beyond repair. So um, 
in that regard, I do not blame the Chargers. They are definitely not blameless here, especially the coaching staff and how they've kind of handled this situation over the last year and a half. But from an organizational standpoint, I'm not necessarily upset about them not trading him and hoping for that compensatory pick down the line. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it's, it's more that I guess not dealing with it now isn't so much the problem as much as not dealing right. with it in the off season. Um, right. Because I think when they turned down that fifth year option, we heard pretty much radio silence on everything throughout, you know, training camp until the season started. And it just kind of assumed like, well, everything's fine. You know, like here we go. And clearly Tillery from the beginning of the season, even prior to this Austin Johnson thing was not comfortable or, you know, uh, wanted or appreciative of the role he had, I guess he did want the role he had last year, which was, you know, of that, of an all down player. So that's kind of where we were, I guess now. So then, you know, obviously the chargers didn't agree to a deal because they probably thought they could get some compensatory pick or some kind of compensation for him in the off season deadline passes. We have the, you know, he hurt his back powerlifting or whatever. And then we get to where we are now. Uh, and so, you know, obviously did not play against the Falcons and then, you know, gets cut on the Thursday. So uh, I think that that kind of thing in terms of how it's played out is uh, troubling for the Chargers in the sense that they couldn't get something for him. But I'm also not sweating that anyway right now, because at this point, you probably get a conditional sixth or seventh round pick, like Steven said, not sweating that so much. But I think if they had tried to trade him in the offseason or done something like that, maybe they could have gotten something for him. Or, you know, if you're really saying that, hey, we don't actually think that there's that much of a difference between throwing Joe Gaziano out there and throwing Jerry Taylor out there or, you know, putting take those Austin Johnson stabs, then you cut Jerry Tillery in the offseason Um and then kind of moved on at that time. So that I think is the weird part of this for me in terms of how it's playing out. But in terms of not trading him now, um, I think the Chargers just kind of had uh, the internal problem that it did. I wonder when the Chargers decided that Jerry Tillery was someone they were going to bench moving forward. Like I don't, it was the Seahawks game was the game before the bye. And I don't remember him. Oh, no, he had, a I thought, a couple of decent rushes. And I think he got called for roughing the passer on one that was kind of wishy-washy. I'm just curious what went into the decision to bench him now. Because they were going to they were going to do that. And then there was the kind of wishy-washy back situation against the Falcons. I'm just curious what went into their decision to bench. Like, okay, I understand that run defense is a reason to not play him a lot. Like, I get that. Sure. But benching him completely and outright is a bit of a surprise. But then they also did, like when they trotted out the defense against the Falcons, it was not Morgan Fox out there first. It was Christian Covington. So maybe they're just like, we're going to get all the run defenders out there. And if we can't rush the passer, so be it. Um, I guess we'll see. We haven't seen enough yet from this Chargers team. But I'm really curious, um, you know, or Chargers team after the bye, I should say. So I'm, I'm curious what went into the decision because I know he's not great against the run, but there is a role for him. And frankly, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, he still has a higher run stop rate, even though it sucks than Morgan Fox. <laughs> yeah, he does. I think it's uh you know, like a whole full point better, but um, you know, them not playing Jerry Tillery against the Falcons. I understand, you know, you get the, the four run defenders out there against the Falcons. You know, we, we saw them do a lot of that, for defensive tackle look I want to say it was like at least 18 19 times where they had you know four defensive tackles out there all at once and so I understand they're not playing him against the Falcons for sure um you know it it was just kind of puzzling going forward so um moving forward obviously Brain Foco does take Austin Johnson's spot on the roster like we talked about uh Alex and I on Wednesday um, it sounds like at least for this week, uh, Joe Gaziano is going to be elevated from the practice squad. And unfortunately for uh, the Brayden Fajoko hive, I would expect Joe Gaziano to play over Brayden Fajoko just because the team traditionally does like to have, you know, the three run stuffing players and then the two pass rushers. So I would expect the defensive tackle room to include obviously Sebastian Joseph Day, Christian Covington, Otito Ogbonia, 
and then Morgan Fox and Joe Gaziano for this week against the 49ers. So um, that's my opinion, right? This is kind of what the team has traditionally done over the last few years. They could certainly have all six defensive tackles active on the roster if they if they feel like they need to do that. Um, but we haven't really seen them have all six active at any point on the season so far. So, um, you know, I am I'm definitely excited to see Otito get an expanded role. I'm excited to see Joe Gaziano, Braden Fajoko get their chances to play. Um, so I think this is, you know, obviously if there are locker room issues, this is a net positive, but I, I don't necessarily think this is like a clear upgrade in terms of like what the Chargers are moving forward with. Um, but we'll see. Like I said, I'm excited to see what Otito can do in an expanded role uh, on a per play basis. He's actually not too far removed from what Jerry Tillery had been giving them, even though they're kind of stylistically different players, obviously. Um, but I understand there's a lot of Jerry Tillery hate out there, man, but he's had some good moments as a pass rusher this year. So I don't think that they're necessarily going to improve in that regard. Yeah, we'll see what they do with the defensive tackles. Obviously, Otito's getting a bigger role, and he's someone that they worked in with the first team during training camp, uh, about like halfway through training camp. So they're, they obviously want to get him involved, and that will be a full Coach Ed starting defensive front with Sebastian <laughs> Joseph, right, Morgan yeah. Fox, and Otito. So you know, he should get a little paycheck there. Uh, as far as Fajoko and Gaziano, I could see them keeping all six active. It kind of depends. Well, yeah, all six active. I suppose it depends on what they want to run this week. Um, it looks like Rumpf is close to being back, but he won't be back. So if they do experiment more with that six-man front with throwing James at the edge, takes Kenneth Murray off the field, takes Kyle Van Noy and, you know, Atahuchu and Tuska off the field in favor of Derwin James, then I, I think you should have six active because having four down defensive tackles and having only one rotational guy after that is a bit messy. Not that they only ran, you know, 6-1 the entire game against the Falcons, but if that's something they want to experiment against, oh, I don't know, one of the best rushing teams in the league, um, then I, I, I would assume that they would keep six active. And even if it came down to five, I still think they would pick Fajoko. Um, They did list him as a defensive end when they signed him. I don't think that makes like he's he's not an edge rusher by any means. Um, no. But I'm curious. <laughs> what, I'm curious what that means for his role, and I'm curious what is is Gaziano designated as a DT or a D end. Uh, I assume he would be the same. Yeah. I was just curious how they would, uh, you know, siphon those two out or differentiate those two. Yeah. The other yeah, thing, I think too, the that... last time, Go I was ahead, just going to say the last time I think I saw uh, Gaziano listed, I think it was DE technically. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of the short term, you know, consequences for this defensive line in this tackle room, you obviously want to see uh, the six man, uh, the six man room i think for the chargers just kind of try their best against the 49ers um because that's going to be certainly a challenge um but yeah if Braden poco obviously can have a great game that's great joe gaziano can at least play at the level jerry tillery was playing at i think that that's a fine you know debut game kind of for the chargers long term though i think that you know this is you know precedent setting move obviously for the chargers in terms of what they did with tillery here um, you know, I don't know if people want to talk about it yet, but they have a fifth year option to determine on Kenneth Murray next year. Um, and Kenneth Murray is honestly kind of in the same place that Jerry Tillery was last year in terms of the level of play that he's given the team yeah. level of responsibility that he's given the team as well. Um, and so for Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley to kind of make this decision might give you know people a preview in terms of what the Chargers are thinking about doing next year in terms of Kenneth Murray on that fifth year option. Um, and, you know, we'll see how they kind of handle that situation as well. But uh, obviously the Chargers had never cut a first round pick. They had never even declined a fifth year option, despite Jason Barrett's injuries at the time, despite DJ Fluker not really panning yeah. out. They never declined one. Um, and so for them to have a midseason cut of this you know, caliber, I guess, and also deal with the fallout of it and be willing to kind of cut their losses um, on the Tillery situation, you know, not even play the season out with him. Uh, is definitely a big move for that locker room culturally and definitely for the culture as a whole of this team. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that fifth-year option for Kenneth Murray should absolutely not be picked up. Uh, that would be a, a huge mistake, in my opinion. <laughs> um, in terms of the the active roster, it's a really weird situation. I'm I'm unclear on how this is going to play out because Jerry Tillery was waived, but uh, I think it was Ian Rappaport 
or it might have been Jeremy Fowler, I can't even remember, uh, reported that the team essentially was like waving him in the future. Like he wasn't officially going to be waived until like Monday. So then a team couldn't claim him this week. So I don't know if he's he was waived. I think he was waived yesterday and then he can be claimed starting Monday or Tuesday. Not sure. Okay. So he is he is officially off of the roster in terms of being off of the 53. Correct. I believe so. Okay. Because the way that it was reported was confusing to me. I was like, okay, so he's on the roster until Monday, but he's off of the team. So there we go. I guess uh, theoretically, then they could sign Joe Gaziano to the active roster today if they wanted yeah. to. It, it's so tricky because they won't put half of their hurt players on IR or anything, <laughs> which I understand. But, you know, we have day to day Keenan Allen for the next four weeks. And, you know, Mike Williams is, is still there and Rumpf is still you know, not an IR. And I, I, again, I get why, but it's so tricky because, you know, like in theory, Pipkins could could be on IR. Rumpf could have been on IR, um, but all these guys may or may not play. So it's tough to determine what the roster even looks like right now and, and how to fill things back and forth. Let's say if they uh, activate Kimon Hall and then keep him um, activated during the game. Yeah, that would be... I mean, they're going to have to elevate a practice squad tackle too if, if Trey Pipkins can't play, so... Uh, very trigger, very trigger. Hello, very tricky roster management uh, happening this week. So, yeah. um, you know, in terms of the other injuries, right? I will say it does sound like we probably see Mike Williams and Chris Rumpf back next week against the Chiefs would be, which would be huge for this team. Um, and then again, they'll have to do some other roster management things with Jeremiah Atatu and Derek Tuska and all that. Um, doesn't sound like Keenan will be back next week. Um, although they said that they like his process a lot better at this point. So maybe he actually starts to practice again next week. I don't know. Um, and then it did sound like on Wednesday that Brandon Staley indicated that Joey Bosa might practice, might start practicing next week. So um, we'll get some clarity there, but I think that's really it in terms of injuries. And then uh, I forget who who tagged us in it earlier, Tyler, but Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess Corey Lindsley did say that he was actually in the hospital with his food poisoning uh, a few weeks ago, which uh, A, explains why he did not play, and B, I think also explains why he didn't play super well against the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, nasty business. I apologize for not remembering who tagged me in that, but thank you for finding that and clipping that out and tagging me in that. So that was great. But yeah, food poisoning, sending you to the hospital. Uh, maybe it was just for an IV. Um, but if it was more than that, like, goodness gracious, what did you eat? Yeah. Yeah. Don't ever go back to that restaurant where, yeah. Can you tell me which restaurant that was? (laughs) I don't want to go there. Might've had one of those, uh, expired Costco pumpkin pies. I don't know. I don't know if he had one of those. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I I am going to Costco later. And time out. Who the hell decided that I'm eating the fucking jalapeno. (laughs) Oh, I did. I did. Yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah. I was watching the video, and uh, <laughs> oh, hey, you guys should eat a hot pepper thing from my company. And it's like, oh yeah, we'll have Tyler do that for not being here. Like, oh thanks. Like I was going to be there. But, like, I mean, I'm doing the pumpkin pie. I I frankly would. I'd rather eat the pumpkin pie. I, I was gonna say I'd rather. Eat I thought we were just. I thought we were just. I thought we were just snaking it. So I thought it was Stephen and Tyler than me. I just thought that's how it worked. <laughs> I mean, I'll do it if the, if the Chargers win tomorrow. Sure, I will die on camera. But I mean, look, the best possible option is that Tyler eats the pepper after the Chargers beat the Niners, and then I do something ridiculous after the Chargers beat the Chiefs. So you know, if those two things happen, then hallelujah. Yeah. I mean, listen, Tyler, if you want to trade me, I'll I'll, uh, I'll gladly trade you. It's kind of funnier to punish myself with a pepper than a pie. Like, I think a pepper, I just kind of get over it and feel okay. Pie sounds like, I don't know if I can handle a pumpkin pie. <laughs> All right. So, like I said, I'm going to Costco later today. They do have uh, a new batch of pumpkin pies, I guess. So, we'll figure it out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, all right, we'll get to our uh, weekly picks this week, and then we'll uh, take some questions as well. Um, so if you have any questions, feel free to ask them now. And uh, obviously, the, the Super Chats are appreciated. Um, as it currently stands, I am in first place, 22 and 13. And then Tyler, Alex, fighting it out for second place right now at 18 and 17. So uh, it is my turn to go first this week. And so I'm going to take uh, the team I feel like we are always picking every single week. I'm going to take the Eagles as my favorite over the Washington Commanders. Bold. <laughs> but you know what? If, if Alex or I picked them right now, they absolutely would have lost. I don't think so. I was going back through all the weeks. All my favorites that I've picked, I think I've gotten two right. Otherwise, it's somebody upsetting somebody. So maybe I should just pick the Chiefs from now on. Who are the Chiefs playing this week? Uh, uh, Jaguars. Jaguars. Okay. Let me pick that one, and they will lose. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Alex is next, if I remember the order correctly. Sure. Okay. Okay. Um. I'm going to pick another NFC East team. I'm going to pick the New York football giants coming off of a buy. Uh, they are mm-hmm. minus minus four and a half at home against the Texans. I don't know how that's not bigger um, considering, I mean, just the Texans as a whole. And also I know the giants are injured, but they have a top three running back in the league and the Texans have one of the worst run defenses. Um, I feel like that game could get into boat race territory pretty quick. So I will take the giants over the Texans. Yeah, I um I was actually looking at the Thanksgiving Day games here, and then we got uh Cowboys Giants, which on a normal year probably not a very exciting matchup, but this year should be uh, a lot of fun next week. Um, all right, Tyler, so you're officially going Chiefs over Jaguars for your favorite. Yes, I'm going to test the theory that I screw every team that I, I pick for favorites. So let's do this one. Also, I love Jorge Rodriguez's idea that Alex should go to every grocery store and return every shopping cart out in the parking lot if the Chiefs lose to the Chargers. That's a good one, man. That's that's a good one in honor of uh, Justin Herbert. So, yeah, and Alex um, being an absolute stickler when it comes to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so your uh, your underdog pick. Oh, I get an underdog pick. Hold on. Um, I'm going to take the Vikings over the Bills, especially because one Josh Allen may or may not play. Yeah, yeah. That situation obviously uh, could be potentially dicey, but. We'll see what happens there. All right, Alex, you're next. Uh, yeah, I am going to go with the fight in Geno Smiths again, who are somehow a two and a half point dog to the Buccaneers on a neutral field. Um, oh, I, don't I, don't, <laughs> I don't get it at all. I get that the Bucs won last week, but like, I, I don't really understand it at all. Um, Seattle's just playing at a much higher level than Tampa Bay right now, who kind of had to grind to get by last game. Uh, I will take Seattle in that one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not a ton of great underdog picks. Um, oh, I guess I can. I can recommend one, but I'll probably be wrong. Matthew Stafford is not playing potentially. Yeah, but that requires me picking Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray also um, not be playing. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm actually going to go, uh, who are they playing? I'm going to go Steelers over Saints. Uh, J.J. Watt, or not J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt returning this week. Uh, so I'm going to go Steelers over Saints. What a pick. Yeah. Fun, that's, fun a, that's a game. I know, right? That is a um, game. And then either or here, let's see. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Cowboys over Packers. Obviously, do not trust Aaron Rodgers one bit here. Probably could have picked them as one of the favorites. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I expect uh, that Dallas defense to go crazy this week. Yeah. I think it's... All right. Alex, Alex is next. Yep. Yeah. 
My turn. Ooh. I think I'm going to do one of my like reverse jujus here. Uh, I'm going to take Josh McDaniels and the Las Vegas Raiders oh. over the fight in Jeff Saturdays oh, in the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, um, I mean, like, I don't know what to expect out of the Colts this week. I guess they could like rally themselves to a win, but that seems like a complete tire fire situation. Not that the Raiders are much better, but um, they still have Devontae Adams and Derek Carr. So I'll take that over where the Colts are at right now, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm also just kind of torturing myself because I want to be invested in that game because it's going to be ugly. So, um, yeah, I'll take, <laughs> I'll take the Raiders. In that one. Listen, man, if you're the Raiders and you like blow a lead to the Colts in this situation, <laughs> you have to fire Josh McDaniels. Like you do not have a choice. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a team that literally is like over the last four weeks, bench Matt Ryan, fired their offensive coordinator, fired their head coach and hired some ESPN analyst off of the street to be their head coach, man. And yeah. uh, like their quality control coach on offense is going to be their new offensive coordinator. It's just like, man, yeah. what a mess. Yeah. Disaster. I, I hope Indy wins because I don't, I know the Chargers will beat Indy, but like, I don't want to be the team that Indy beats uh, when <laughs> you know they need a win and they're dunking, you know, Gatorade on Jeff Saturday for his first win against the Chargers after they went two and zero against the <laughs> Niners and Chiefs. Like, it just I want them to win at some point the next couple of weeks so we can avoid that. Um, for my pick, almost funny. I almost would pick uh, the Colts just to be hilarious, but I'm going to go with the Broncos over the Titans. <laughs> uh, is Ryan Tannehill still out? It's I think it's up in the air. I think that uh, they reported he's leaning towards playing this week. Sick. <laughs> Sick. I'm locking it in. Lock it in. It's uh, it's in Denver though, isn't it? I don't know. I just picked the two. I just picked the teams. I just... okay. Um, I think it's in Tennessee. Uh, yeah, it's in Tennessee. Sick. <laughs> Hit bold. <laughs> highlight it. Lock it in. <laughs> Um, I actually thought about this uh, throughout the week, obviously. Teresa Papas, what former player would make you hire to be the head coach of the Chargers? Obviously not including Philip Rivers, he says. Um, so if the, if the Chargers were in this kind of situation, uh, theoretically, like the, the direct translation obviously would be like firing Ronaldo Hill, then firing Brandon Staley, and then you hire like a defensive-minded head coach to, to replace them. So the equivalent would maybe be like Sean Merriman or like Sean Phillips, like one of those two players. I don't know. The most yoked model dating team in the AFC West. <laughs> um, who would I pick? Because Jeff Saturday like has high school coaching experience and that's like it. And I guess his high school record was like three and seven last year. Um. Well, obviously, like Drew Brees would be uh, someone you could pick. A non, let me pick a non-quarterback. Um, hmm. See, I would go offensive player here. I don't think I would go. Yeah, I well, mean, if you, I have you, to, you certainly could if you're answering the question. I'm just saying, like, if the if you did like the direct translation of the Colts situation to the Chargers, you know, because. You know, they're they're keeping their version of Joe Lombardi in Gus Bradley. Mm-hmm. And like their their defensive structure is intact. But you know, so that to me would be like the Chargers like going off of Ronaldo Hill and then off of Brandon Staley and then essentially like hiring somebody to come in and fix the defense and then be a defensive coach, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're talking about like all time like Charger legend brought in to be like a sacrificial lamb to whatever this season is, you know, if we were in the Colts position, then I feel like Antonio Gates would have to be the guy like Antonio Gates is kind of like Chargers Jeff Saturday if, if we were to go that route. <laughs> um, so I get that. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's in the building a lot. So, you know, yeah, I mean, he's connected to the team. I, I, I just thought it was funny, like, with the cold situation that, like, I just made the joke of, like, oh, Peyton Manning can be QB coach. And then I found out Reggie Wayne actually is their wide receiver <laughs> coach right now. And so it, it just is. We're just hiring everybody from, like, 10 years ago. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, been such a weird situation. 
Sorry for hitting my mic right there, but it's all good. Um, all right, we'll get to some of our final thoughts here and make our Chargers score predictions here. Uh, so if you're in the chat right now, feel free to uh, drop your prediction for the Chargers outcome on Sunday night against the 49ers. So um, I started the picks. I will start the uh, Chargers prediction this week. Um, unfortunately, I just I can't get there to pick the Chargers to win this week. Again, this is I feel that this is probably going to be a an zero and three week for us back to back weeks. But um, you know, the Niners are getting incredibly healthy, and, and frankly, I'm just really uh, nervous about what this run defense or this 49ers rushing attack is going to drum up against the Chargers. You have obviously Christian McCaffrey um in the fold and and really you know changes that offense Debo Samuel is back Elijah Mitchell is back who ran for 1200 yards last year for the 49ers so uh going up against the Chargers run defense is is a big as big of a mismatch as I think you can have and uh obviously the Nick Bosa situation potentially going up against Foster Serrell or Storm Norton obviously makes me nervous as well that being said I do think the Chargers do have a formula for success which is a uh, force Jimmy G into some errant throws, which we know as he is prone to do. And then Justin Herbert continues to build off of last week, which I think is possible against the 49ers defense, even despite the, the pass rush. That said, I'm going to go. I do think the Chargers cover the points right here, but I do think they lose. Um, I'm going to go Niners win uh, 27 to 23. So I do think the Chargers make it close just because I think Jimmy G is going to give him some chances that uh, he probably shouldn't. So I'm going to go Chargers lose 27-23. Uh, Who's next? Should I go? Yeah, you go, Alex. Um, This one, I, I just can't get to a position where I even think it's a close game. Um, We don't even know if they're playing Foster Cyril or Storm Norton against Nick Bosa. Maybe it doesn't matter, but like... <laughs> At the same time, like, I just think if you were to pick one team who, other than probably the Eagles, who is like an absolute nightmare matchup for the Chargers on the ground, in the air, like just everything they do offensively with the weapons they have and the coaching in terms of the Kyle Shanahan situation, it's it's the Niners. Like, uh, and I think we've all said at certain points this week that we feel more confident about the Chargers potentially beating the Chiefs than the Niners. And I think a lot of that just has to do with the matchup. Um, like I, I think Kyle Shanahan is going to look at Kenneth Murray and Kyle Van Noy and, you know, just basically like go at them, like every single, you know, outside run play with, you know, Christian McCaffrey in tow this is also the Niners coming off of a bye. They've had a chance to, you know, really get Christian McCaffrey into the playbook there. Oh, and not to mention they have Debo Samuel and George Kittle and like the whole, uh, you know, platoon that they have there in terms of their weapons. So, um, I, I, you know, the Chargers obviously are dealing with a ton of health issues too. Just cut Jerry Tillery, lost depth there. Austin Johnson done for the year. They're not getting Keenan Allen or Mike Williams back. Um, this game to me, I think I'm going to predict a very similar score to what the Chargers Seahawks game was. I'm going to say Niners 34, Chargers 17. Um, I think this one gets away from the Chargers fairly quickly. I hope that I am wrong, um, but if you were to pick one NFL team really outside of those top three and the Bills, Chiefs, uh, and Eagles that really can give the Chargers problems. Um, it, it is this Niners team. Yeah, I don't. I, I won't predict the same gap in score, but I understand where you're coming from, especially because you watch teams that just they like the Chargers have been rolled a couple of times this year to that kind of score. So it's not like it's impossible. I and mean, we we literally just saw it a couple of weeks ago before the bye. I mean, we saw it against um, the Jaguars. Right. Like, <laughs> right. And, and, you know, Lawrence played really well that game and Gino played pretty solid, but like neither of them did anything phenomenal. But the no. system that they were running from right. the offensive coordinator would just beat the crap out of this defense. Um, and, and that's really what it comes down to for me. And also the health of the offense. Uh, if, if you saw Arjun's recent graphic, uh, the Chargers on the ground or against the run are expected to give up 7.71 yards per attempt on the ground that is i think two yards worse than the next like than the 31st team their run defense is terrible look at the graph like go find Arjun's post it's like a little little like you know uh increase timing, yeah and then it's just pfft, chargers way worse than everybody else 
And the crazy thing is, I know people are talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Is he a great quarterback? No, but the system is built so he can be good statistically. Jimmy Garoppolo's adjusted EPA per play is higher than Jalen Hurts right now. <laughs> like, and that's, you know, have been kind of sort of without Debo uh, recently as well. The Chargers, um, Daniel Jeremiah, I think, pointed out recently on Twitter, the 49ers are one of the best yards after catch, yards after contact, open field tackling teams he's ever seen, or receiving teams, I should say, that he's ever seen. So the Chargers have to face a really great rushing attack and a really good yak team that's literally built on those two things on the road with all these injuries. And I just don't see how fans can say that, that they expect the Chargers to win this one. We get messages and tweets quite a bit. Oh, you're not a real fan if you don't believe in your team. But like, you know, we're all either on our first or our second degree. We finished our second degrees. I don't think we got there by just being like, oh, no, no. Happened. <laughs> so, you know, there's just there's just too much that goes into this. I would love for them to win. As I said on Twitter, it is financially so much better if we predict them to win and if they actually win. Um, but I have to predict a loss here. I'm going to go Chargers lose 30 to 21. And for those citing the 200 rushing yards and they still won against the Browns and the um, the Falcons, it's I just don't beast. see it's a, it's a different right. beast. Uh, yeah. The 49ers have a much better defense than either of those two teams. And frankly, they do have a better offense too. And I, I just wa- like watch those games again. Like we after we jumped on the show after those two games, what were we talking about? How freaking lucky and weird it was the Chargers won those games. Yeah, um, the Browns one was super weird. It was kind of off a of fluke, and the Falcons won. Some D lineman, you know, Herbert used the force and he dropped, <laughs> you know, the fumble. Like so, right. if, unless that happens, so unless Khalil Mack is stripping. Debo Samuel, unless Herbert forces somebody else to fumble, and unless you know Jimmy Garoppolo is going to miss a wide open Kyle Pitts or George Kittle, I should say, you know Mariota was missing dudes last week. It's it's right. You're 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 relying on things to happen again that shouldn't be considered reliable in football. It's just it's just not going to happen. It'd be great, <laughs> hey, it'd be great, but I just I don't know what people are thinking when they say the Chargers are going to win this one and they feel good about that. Yeah, I mean, weird weird stuff can always happen, uh, right? Like we've talked about with the Cleveland game where Jacoby Brissett gives Alohi Gilman a ball uh, and, the, you know, the forced strip right. fumble on the Falcons. Uh, but, you know, just in this game, I think when you talk about from a coaching standpoint, if Kyle Shanahan is seeing, you know, Kyle Van Hoy and Kenneth Murray getting abused in the run game, he's not going to turn it off, right? He's not going to go, oh, we need a couple more Jimmy G throws this quarter, right? <laughs> like, he's just going to keep doing it. Um, with yeah. Christian McCaffrey and, you know, all those weapons that they have there and George Kittle blocking. Um, so, like, at the, at this point, like, I don't know what, you know, they're... I, I think the Chargers can win any game in which Justin Herbert is their quarterback. And we saw a bounce-back game for Justin Herbert, you know, after the injuries last week um, in terms of just how he looked and how he was throwing the ball. But, um, yeah, th- this is just a terrible matchup for them. Uh, I think that, you know, there is a potential route to them winning and and keeping it close throughout the game. The Niners are by no means, or at least haven't manifested themselves into this like dominant team so far this season yet, as Chargers fans will probably point out um, in terms of their record, in terms of where they are as a team. But they're getting ready to turn the corner after this bye week. And I, I, I don't know, like, I just don't trust this team. I think the Niners have a better coaching staff. The Niners have a better head coach. The Niners have a better defense. Um, and the Niners really just have everything to expose all of the weaknesses of the Chargers, right? And so at this point, I'd love to see the Chargers win. I think they're capable of, you know, eking out maybe one of those close games wins, and maybe Jimmy G makes a couple of mistakes, and we get that kind of Browns and Falcons, those Browns and Falcons results. Um, but it's hard to even come close to picking them in this one for me. Yeah, I mean, we've, I feel like we've been, pretty clearly established with our brand at this point which is that we're not super homers we're not doom and gloomers either you know we have you know done this for the last three years where we're trying to be as subjective as possible and and try and cut through the crap and call it how it is so it's not that the Niners are a juggernaut team like this isn't the Bills who I think are the best team in the league but it's just that the Niners do everything well 
that the Chargers struggle with. Like this is just a bad matchup for the Chargers on paper. And like I said, the Chargers have a path to victory. I just don't know how likely that is. You know, you know, I expect I went back and watched a couple of the Niners games this year. And uh, you know, against the Rams, they have, you know, a couple chances. The Rams had a couple chances at turnovers and just didn't get them done, right? You know, Jalen Ramsey dropped an interception. Um, I forget which safety, you know, missed the chance at a fumble from Christian McCaffrey. They just didn't do that. Maybe the Chargers can. Maybe the Chargers are able to take advantage of those opportunities. Maybe Justin Herbert is, uh, you know, able to play just a perfect game and they, they're they able to kind of, you know, escape with a victory. It is possible. I just don't think it is probable. It's not something that I would feel comfortable predicting. Yeah, I'm not taking the the two out of 100 call over the 98 out of 100 call <laughs> because it's like yeah it could happen yeah absolutely so um we'll see what happens i mean we'll be here after the the game tomorrow we'll be uh going live to uh you know have a conversation and, and hopefully it's after a win so um all right if you have any questions feel free to ask them in the chat um, obviously super chats are appreciated today uh, as they are every single week. And uh, we'll take questions for uh, about 12, 13 minutes or so. Wait, I, I want to take a picture of all of us. Hold on. I want this one up here. All right. You guys want to take a picture? I want to take this for later. Everybody say cheese. <laughs> all right, cool. That's going to go for it. to be my new banner The other thing that I, people will always like come say back to me is like, oh, the Niners are four and four. They lost to like the Bears and and the, the Broncos. Like, what's the difference? And it's like, well, the Bears game was a freaking monsoon. Like that was a legitimate like can't even throw the ball kind of toss up game. And then the Broncos have an elite defense that can match the 49ers offense. The Chargers don't have that. So uh, the other loss that the Niners have experienced was uh, the Chiefs, who, again, the Chargers don't have Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey and all these other weapons to you know, kind of take advantage of the Niners defense. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't put too much stock into like the record. Like, I, you know, you have to look at this like as an individual matchup and you know, I just don't feel good about it. Yeah. You muted, Alex. I said the Broncos game was in Denver, too, right? For the yeah. Niners. Yeah, yeah, it so, was uh, I mean, Sunday night football, and it was like it was like ten to eight, like it was. Yeah, it was like I thought it was like twelve to eleven. Yeah, something there you like go. that. Yeah, <laughs> so I I wouldn't put a ton of stock into that result, considering how weird games are in Denver, and then yeah, like putting a loss to the Bears in their like record when the lines on the out of bounds thing were bent because there was too much rain and the paint was rubbing off. <laughs> like uh, I wouldn't really hold that against the Niners either. Yeah. The Chargers are also two of their three starting receivers are shorter than my fiance. So, like, I don't know how much we're thinking the Chargers are going to go out and dominate this one either. <laughs> I didn't realize Janae was that tall, man. Yeah, she's 5'10. Oh, well. So she's taller than Bandy and Carter. There you go. A um, bunch of people have asked this question to me. Uh, DK mm. pointing this out. Surprised they didn't want to try Brendan Hymas at right tackle. Uh, Hymas is uh, apparently injured as well. So, Oh, yeah. um, I understand the concept here, right? Brandon Hymas played offensive tackle at Nebraska. He was somebody that I, I thought could play offensive tackle in the league if uh, if necessary. But, um, I mean, they feel pretty clearly that he's an interior offensive lineman, doesn't have the size profile or the athletic profile that they like at tackle. Um, he's also never played right tackle in his life. He was exclusively left tackle in college. He's been exclusively a guard and a center in the NFL. So, um, they are, are very intentional about what kind of size and athletic profile that they want to see at tackle. And obviously Jamari Sawyer's not, he doesn't really fit that athletic profile, but he fits the size profile. So I feel like you have to have either or, and they, they pretty clearly think that Brendan Hymas does not have, uh, either of the size or the athletic profile that they prefer to have at tackle. And like I said, never played right tackle in his life. So, but still over Storm Norton. 
Yeah, I, I think my thing with right tackle in this game, just in general, is like this thing throughout the week is like, oh, maybe it's Errol, maybe it's Norton. Guess you'll find out on like the next episode of Dragon Ball Z when the game starts. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's like the best strategy going into this one. Maybe they've already picked one and they're trying to like fool the Niners here or like make them think. But I don't think the Niners are staying up at night exactly thinking about who Nick Bosa is going to carve up because you could probably put either one out there and I think they're just fine. Um, but yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know if it makes a difference this game, like who they put at right tackle. I would put Norton out there personally just because he's the most experienced. Um, but I, I guess the Sarrell experiment, we've seen crazier things happen. Um, but yeah. Yeah, man, I, I, I still would start Storm Norton. Like I, I understand like people are, are frustrated by the way that he has played, but oh man, uh, putting Foster Sarrell out in this game is is just I I feel so bad for him that his first NFL start would be in this kind of situation against Nick Bosa. Like I uh, Foster Sarrell, like Trey Pipkins made it work. <laughs> so Foster Sarrell should also make it work. Tell me about tell me about that. <laughs> it's such a frustrating thing. Like not every situation has a comparison that you should be making. No. I mean, Trey Pipkins was a top 100 draft pick and I understand, you know, he was probably overdrafted, but he was a senior ball guy. He was a top 100 draft pick. He had shown some good flashes in the past. And so, yes, he struggled in the preseason last year and Foster Sale struggled in the preseason this year. That's the only comparison here. I mean, Trey Pipkins rightfully went to work with Duke Manningweather and got his uh, technique issues sorted out. You know, it's not like we can send Foster Sarrell to, to boot camp with Duke Manningweather this week and, and he's going to come out and play well against Nick Bosa. And again, if this were like against the Houston Texans, all right, like, sure, whatever. Let's see what happens. This is mm -hmm. Nick Bosa. This is the guy who I think is the best pass rusher in the league right now. And this is this it's going to be his first career start like. I understand like there's a lot of optimism and people are trying to like salvage things and, and whatever and, and cope in their own way. I'm not a fan police kind of guy. I'm an expectations guy. And I, I, there's no way for me to expect Foster Sherrill to come in in his first career start against Nick Bosa and play well. Like there's just no way. Big expectations guy. Yeah. Even Jamari Salyer, like I know there's a lot of hype around his performance against the Browns, but it wasn't necessarily that Salyer in pass protection played really well. I mean, he did based on expectation, but they were getting the ball out really quick too. Like the scheme is going to have to help Sarah as well. So maybe there's a world where the run game works. They have a quick passing offense and Sarah doesn't give up a sack or, or more than one, but expecting him to hold up is uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, and the, the difference I would say with Salier, and you can talk about obviously Pipkins in this case, is Salier is someone who probably should have been a top 100 draft pick. Uh, and when it comes to Pipkins, he you know was obviously that. So the physical tools that those guys had coming out of college and in terms of their you know nature of them being projected to be offensive tackles eventually at some point, Tom Telesco drafting Pipkins to be a project, Salier probably expected to make slightly more of an instant impact when he was drafted. Um, but yeah, I, th I mean, I think they just thought highly of those guys. Cyril was not a guy that they thought nearly as highly of. So for them to potentially start him over North, uh, um, North there, because he, 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 perhaps he proves us wrong, but he does not have the upside that Pipkins or Salier have at their peaks. All right. Sure. Um, Teresa. Thanks mom. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. Thanks, Mom. Thank you. Sure, appreciate it. <laughs> uh, we've gotten a lot of questions about this over the last couple of weeks or so. Um, what do you guys attribute the batted passes coming from Justin Herbert? Um, Teresa says that he thinks he looks like he's sidearming a little bit more, dropping his elbow a little bit more. Um, Tyler, what are your thoughts here about uh, the batted passes from Justin Herbert recently? Uh, well, He's throwing to players that are shorter than my fiance, and he's a quick passing game. So that's kind of it to me. Yeah, um, that, and I mean, you know, as as much as like run stick as a Joe Lombardi like meme at this point, like if you are running that many bunched up routes in succession on some drives, like the uh, was it the first or second drive 
uh, last week and Herbert had one of those batted balls that I think uh, ended a drive, um, then those are kind of going to happen if you are running that many bunched up plays. And then Joe Lombardi sort of in, in the second quarter and in the second half in general sort of opens up the playbook, uses, you know, uh, kind of goes a little bit further, obviously, than five yards down the field, starts using the ends a little bit more then, you know, you start seeing fewer batted balls through Herbert throughout the game. So I think some of it is definitely the play calling. I think some of it is definitely Herbert still coming back from injury um, and, you know, potentially sidearming or dropping uh, dropping his elbow like Teresa was pointing out. But uh, uh, I think it's kind of sure of a lot of things. And then like Tyler pointing out, they, they, they just don't have the guys right now in the receiver room. Yeah, and I think also the injury here is is definitely impacting his ability to really kind of get the the lift that he wants. Um, I mean, he's also six six, so he's he's not going to have a super high launch angle anyway. Um, so I think there's a lot of factors here, but I do think the injury has has absolutely impacted the amount of batted passes that are happening on a week to week basis. And the other thing too is they do a lot of like quick three step drops, and you know. Offense, their defensive linemen are starting to figure out that they don't even have to rush. They can just like kind of chill at the line of scrimmage and and jump up and maybe get a batted pass. So uh, Chargers have to uh, make some adjustments in that regard for sure. Uh, Servando wants to know if the Chargers win against the 49ers or the Chiefs, are they a playoff team? So obviously Chargers currently sitting in the seven seed at five and three. Um, I tweeted out the the next four games for each of the uh teams in the AFC that are in the uh, wild card contention. Um, and some of those teams have some, some pretty difficult schedules. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But um, I think if the Chargers win one of these next two, I think you absolutely should feel good about their playoff chances. They would at that point be six and four. You have uh, some final games against the Colts and the Rams who are not very good. I mean, maybe this is the year they finally figured out in Denver. Um, but the, the Chargers schedule is pretty manageable. I mean, the Cardinals are not uh, a juggernaut by any means, and obviously Kyler Murray's situation kind of up in the air. So if the Chargers can win one of these next two, I think you feel really good about their playoff chances down the stretch. Yeah, honestly, five and five is not great, but even I, I'm fine. Like if they go five and five, they lose, lose their next two games, I get it. You know, your guys aren't around. You're not healthy, and these are two good teams. So, really, as long as the as long as they don't get more hurt, which has been half the issue this year anyway, if they just you know after the next two weeks against the the Colts is their third game in this three game stretch, or the Cardinals. Uh, you mean the next the next yeah one? Who, who, yeah whoever's the after the Chiefs. So after Chiefs, it's the charge, or then it's the, the Cardinals, and then it's okay. the Titans, Dolphins, and then it's Colts, Rams, Broncos. Awesome. Great at paying attention over here. Um, <laughs> like, if everyone kind of comes back against the Cardinals and the team looks pretty ready to go, I still feel good about their chances. So I, I just, yeah. them winning against the Falcons is huge. If they win, the, if they lose the next two, all good. They win one, great. Yeah. Um, I mean, if they're going to be six and four, uh, after this stretch, if you were saying they win one against the Niners or Chiefs, then, you know, hard to call them a lock for the playoffs with seven games left. But you'd probably just have to go four and three or three and four in that stretch, probably four and three then to make the playoffs. And that is kind of a more manageable stretch for them. And then even if they're five and five, like Tyler said, I think that they can kind of um, have a more manageable stretch. You obviously got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams and Joey Bosa back at some point, um, you know, in that final stretch of the season so currently they are a playoff team because they're in the seventh seed um i guess the distinction here is are we just talking playoff team or like contender um because i think the chargers right now are certainly a playoff team um uh, on the other hand i would not put them in like a playoff contender type tier right now um just sure. based on where they are so like that's kind of the distinction for me i guess yeah. So again, everybody that is trying to come at us for being too negative, all three of us just said that they have still have a really good chance at the playoffs. So there you go. Um, in terms of the AFC teams, obviously the Jets currently have uh, the final wild or the first wild card spot, I should say, according to their uh, division and conference record. So they play at New England, home against the Bears, at Vikings, at Bills in their next four games. Uh, the Dolphins are six and three. They're the next wild card team. They play the Browns, the Texans, at Niners, at Chargers in the next four games. 
uh, then we just talked about our schedule, obviously at Niners, home against Chiefs, at Cardinals, at Raiders. So that's the game that I, I forgot. So my apologies there. Uh, the Patriots after that, home against the Jets, at Vikings, home against the Bills, at Cardinals. And then Bengals 5-4 and four are the really the final, final potential wide card team. Uh, at Steelers, at Titans, home against the Chiefs, home against the Browns in their next four games. So uh, should get some clarity with that particular seeding in that group uh, in the next three or four weeks uh, moving forward. Um, one other thing here, uh, shout out Mike Tannebaum, man. He, uh, he apparently loves Justin Herbert so much that he's predicting the Chargers to win every single game from here on out. Uh, and the Chargers going 14 and three, which would be, I assume the one seed in the AFC. Love the optimism. Yeah. Uh, cool, dude. Well, I was just typing up something. There we go. Uh, all right. Any other questions that you guys see or uh, wrap it up today? No, I think we can wrap it up. All right. Sounds good. Alex, any uh, final thoughts before we head out for today, man? Uh, I hope that the Chargers win 34-17 instead of lose 34-17 like I predicted. So I'm <laughs> uh, hoping for a good podcast after the game. Uh, where they beat the Niners, because obviously, like we talked about, that kind of puts them into that uh, you know, serious you know, playoff tier, if you want to say that. Uh, obviously, if they do beat the Niners with how beat up they are right now, with everything kind of lining up for the Niners after a bye week, um, getting their players back and reloading. So um, this is a pretty critical game for the Chargers. I wouldn't call it must-win, obviously, because you know they, can't, they do have the margin for error now after beating Atlanta, and they can lose one or maybe even in both these next two games against the Niners and Chiefs and still, you know, kind of contend for the playoffs. Uh, um, but yeah, this is what we would love to have as sort of a state for the Chargers, but um, just, a, a, you know, to kind of pick up the momentum here for them going into the second half of the season in general. Yep, absolutely. Win or lose. Um, even if they lose, I hope it's just close, man. I don't want two back-to-back, you know, primetime blowouts, but win or lose just be healthy get out of there healthy if you go zero and two i get it i expect it just stay healthy that's all i ask yeah um yeah so <laughs> we'll see what happens man I'm, I'm excited for the this upcoming stretch i do think this is a really cool opportunity for the chargers to uh really kind of prove where they're at over the next couple of games so like i said we'll be going live uh tomorrow evening right after the the game is officially over uh should be about 1 a.m alex's time so uh make sure and send some uh good coffee vibes or soda vibes his way as we <laughs> try and work our way through uh daylight savings ending so uh appreciate everybody in the chat today appreciate all of the uh support and uh as always make sure and like subscribe turn the notifications on uh and leave a rating or review if you're listening to this on uh the audio platform of your choice all right guys that's gonna do it we'll see you tomorrow Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.